Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Hey everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome to Pixels. This is a show where we cover the news from the video games industry. We talk about games on PC, on uh, consoles, on laptops, on mobile, on everything there is, even on Alexa sometimes. Well, not wow. really, but apparently there are Alexa games. Why you not? Play you know, quizzes. You? What? You can actually do the Skyrim thing on Alexa, can't you? I, I believe you can, yes. I don't know how uh, good it is. <laughs> probably, well, that, that, so first of all, I'm Patrick Beja. Uh, this right here is Terpster, Mark Hello, Terpster everyone. Turpin. How's it going? It's going well, thank you, Patrick. How's it going for you? It is uh, going very well. Do you know why? Do you, can you guess why my life has been enlightened with uh, oh. uh, brilliance? Oh, is it uh, because you found a little ghost and you've gone on magical adventures uh, across the solar system? That is absolutely the case. I have found my love again for Destiny 2 in the uh, trash bin of last year where I threw it after <laughs> only like 80 hours of gameplay, which was ridiculous for Destiny 2. Uh, this yeah. new expansion had been hyped up by a lot of people who had been playing it, including yourself, Terpster. Yes. Um, I, and you didn't like Destiny 1, or you didn't really play uh, it. So, so I played Destiny 1 a bit on Xbox, and mm. I, I, if I can play a game on... If I have to play a game only on a console, I end up not playing it much. Most of my gaming time comes uh, during the day when I'm at work. I'm, I'm like backwards to a lot of people. Uh, so like lunchtime and stuff like that, I can just fire up a game and uh having it on a console at home and then you know not being able to kind of access it as easily friends not really being around to play with um i just didn't really get into it um i could see that it there was something there uh but it just kind of just didn't really capture me and i um, guess you were part of the people who didn't re-up for the initial expansion back in what was it 2014 oh what um, taking king or yeah. what are you talking about yeah, yeah no taking i did king. yeah so Taking King, when that came out, everyone was like, oh, it's amazing now. And I was like, uh, it's too late. I've already I feel tried like it's it. It's passed yeah. me by. Mm. Exactly. Um, and now and so it's thought, on PC. Yeah. Um, and yes. we're going to talk about it quite a bit. So we're going to get into that in just a, a moment. Um, we're also going to be talking about the Oculus Quest, the new standalone mm -hmm. VR headset, bunch of uh, news from the Tokyo Game Show. Um, we have, uh, well, other tidbits as well. And... Also, before we get to Destiny 2, um, I do want to talk about a few very, very important uh, bits of news from Sony, mm -hmm. which actually 
are uh, very interesting for the entire industry and not just PlayStation because it might open up things. You might have heard already by now that Sony is uh, introducing crossplay into their system. Now, famously, a few months ago, when um, uh, Fortnite launched on on uh, Switch, people realized that they couldn't use their Fortnite account on the Switch if they had already linked it to their PlayStation account, which was outrageous, and people were outraged, and I was outraged as well. I, I'm, I tend not to I can't to imagine be... you being outraged, Patrick. I'll it's, be honest with you. You know, it doesn't Such happen often. Man. No, it, it doesn't happen often, um, and especially in gaming and, and tech, but mostly gaming where there's a lot of anger and outrage. I tend to think that the outrage is misplaced or at least exaggerated um, yeah. and that constructive criticism is more effective. In this case, I thought it was necessary. I thought it was complete bullshit. <laughs> what the hell's going on, Sony? Yeah, it, like that. Yeah, I, I thought you. it was extremely anti-consumer and I understand yeah. why they didn't want to allow crossplay and cross-progression, which is the even more important part of it. So just to clarify, crossplay means being able to play in a game with people from another platform. So uh, being able to play uh, with your friends on Xbox if you're using a PlayStation. Um, that was not possible. It was possible on PlayStation with PC and on uh, uh, and mobile and on Xbox and Switch. It was possible with everything except PlayStation, which was a very convoluted uh, uh, system. The reason being Sony didn't want to allow this because they wanted to limit as much as possible from what we understand. They didn't spell it out exactly, but they didn't want to enable the possibility for people to go buy items in the games they would play um, on, on other platforms and be able to use them on PlayStation 4. Reason being... Uh, it would be cons uh, when it's the same price everywhere. It doesn't necessarily matter, but if you're the underdog, uh, like um, Microsoft in this generation of consoles, you might sell things at a lower price to lure people in. And if you have a uh, deal on some pack on on. Um, Fortnite, then you encourage people to go and buy them in your store instead of their uh, the store in which they're going to use it, which is the Sony store. So, I mean, we see it happen in Hearthstone. So Hearthstone mm. has uh, pricing that's higher on mobile because of Apple's 30% Apple tax. Um, so it's cheaper to buy stuff on Battle.net. And actually then it's sometimes cheaper to buy it on Amazon, on Android, um, because they do promotions around uh amazon coins these gold currency that you can spend on in-game items so people end up buying packs through hearthstone through either emulators or uh android devices um to uh to 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 get more packs yeah and, it's, and it's by people you mean you that well i do i do i mean gamers <laughs> gamers we game things yeah we, we want to find the way to break the system to our advantage and we that's part of the fun yeah, um, equally, and that's... one of the big problems in the past with crossplay has always been what about uh, if the players had a better performance or you know they could play to a higher ability on your competitor's product? So, all of a sudden, if the Xbox was better than the PlayStation when it came to uh, playing at the high end, you know, it had less lag input lag, it had better aim assist or whatever, people would play on Xbox. Um, the second you put up console gamers against PC gamers 
you've got mouse and keyboard versus controller. Mouse and keyboard is better when it comes to aiming. So, which is why I think uh, cross play is going to be relatively limited. So, uh, so actually, what they announce is they are going to introduce cross play and uh, cross progression. And the first game it's starting in beta form with Fortnite, which is obviously the one that everyone is talking about. They're going to uh, enable it for select partners is the way they're phrasing it. So my suspicion is that they are charging the partner somehow to enable crossplay on their platform. And obviously, they are the big dog this generation, they are outselling uh, the Xbox significantly. And so it, it makes sense that they would want to preserve their competitive advantage in that way. Um, I'm guessing they're either getting a lump sum from the uh, the the company that wants to enable crossplay on their platform on Sony i mean on PlayStation or it's even possible that there's some convoluted system where anyone using an item on the Sony system that hasn't been purchased on a Sony system then Sony gets a little bit of money for that i it seems a little bit convoluted but maybe um i'm guessing mostly it and we don't know that they're getting money but it seems likely that's what i would guess and so not everyone is going to want to enable crossplay but most of the games that need to um i'm guessing are going to to do that and again um the really interesting thing is cross-progression. So cross-progression is not playing against uh, someone on another or with actually someone on another platform. It's just having a character that you level up on one platform be usable on the other platform. So basically your account is the same everywhere, just like it is for Hearthstone as you described. Um, and so that would apply to Fortnite. You have the same account. That that is way more important than crossplay, in my opinion, and that mm. is obviously also being and uh, less onerous on the the game platform. Right, like they don't have to worry about. Oh, hang on, you know what's happening here or there as much. Um, obviously, if they're getting a cut of in-game sales, which they do, um, then there is still the concern around. Hang on, what about the premium we make off of your in-game transactions? Exactly, yeah. as you said earlier. But it's certainly not as much of an ask. Um, mm. You know, Blizzard do it well, but at the same time, still have region locking. So, you know, our, our EU accounts are different from our NA accounts. Uh, so, you know, even even companies that do it well still find ways to do it badly. Um, <laughs> I but, really hope at yeah. some point it's going to go away. I, I, EU, I, I, US, I yeah. doubt it. I don't think there's enough of a really? noise. It's more of a general Maybe. kind of ugh, frustration, and mm. they they know they you know they yeah. make it easier and all the way. Anyway, so um, crossplay. I'm excited. To see more cross-play and cross-progression uh it is what consoles need uh, especially as we kind of start going through uh kind of new iterations new generations uh you know the fact that skyrim's available on every single platform i'd love to be able to play my character uh you know on them all uh rather than each time making it new uh the big one again for me is is diablo diablo 3 now coming out on switch um yeah, but if they enable it there, gotta start all over again. You yeah, know, which yeah, is fine. That is, and the way they the way they look at it is, people play Diablo based on seasons now. People don't play the campaign. That's true. And so you're starting a new character every four months anyway, so what's the big deal? 
Um, well, I mean, for for the people who are still playing, it's not necessarily a big deal. I think a lot of people who haven't been playing might get it on on Switch if they can use their old character. Um, mm. The people who haven't played for a year or two might fire it up again, especially if they announced a, a new Diablo game. The excitement would be, but mm. we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, another game which I would love for them to enable this for, obviously, is Destiny, which has been on my mind very much yeah. in the past couple of weeks. Uh, and I mean, beyond this, it's just revolutionizing the way we approach uh, games in general, I think, because your game is not the thing you purchase on a platform, that your game is your account in the cloud that is uh, beamed down on whatever platform you happen to purchase. But I mean, the, Destiny's the... an interesting example, though, in that yeah. you play it on PlayStation, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You actually have exclusive stuff I don't have. So you have That's access true. to a strike uh, early. I don't get that yet. You have like a, a, a fusion rifle, I think, or something like that, like mm -hmm. a void laser fusion rifle thing. Um, and I don't get those. So... I don't know if if they did put something like crossplay into Destiny. How do you handle like if you have that gun? Do you just not have it if you log in on PC? Uh, you know, do you? Do I you, guess I don't if know. you uh, actually, that's true. That might also be part of their uh, uh, you know monetization scheme that might be problematic. But actually. If you have it, it means you have paid Sony for the game on their platform. Yeah, I guess so. Because obviously yeah, you have you have to, to it, buy exactly it. On PlayStation. Exactly. Yeah. So you you use it on PC, but you have it because you've played on PlayStation. So it's also kind of advertisement for yeah, the I thing. Wonder, <laughs> I wonder <You> can... <laughs> if they could make really good weapons then. Because it's like, well, everyone can get them. You just have to spend an extra 60 bucks. <laughs> Also buy it on PlayStation. I'm sure that'd be that'd and be that really could get people who want to play yeah. on on Xbox to buy it on PlayStation and uh, you know get yeah. that thing and then get back to and they get God of War platform. and they get all the other ones. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I could see. It's, I can see that being an interesting could be a blessing in disguise issue. for Sony. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the strike obviously is not going to be uh, usable. I get, but anyway, we'll see how they do all of this i am really looking forward to because i'm not playing on pc i don't i didn't buy it on pc because i've been playing for years at this point even if i didn't keep my destiny one character uh, on playstation and i mean there are tons of games uh, overwatch there are a ton of games where you will be encouraged to buy the game multiple times because you want to play it on different platforms and this is the way games are today. And for free-to-play games, obviously, it's not the same issue at all. But for for pay game, and it came, it arrived through the free-to-play games because that is Fortnite's power to make that mm. much noise. But I think it's going to affect almost every game in the industry. And that is really bringing the, this decision by Sony that finally relented and agreed to 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 make it happen is going to unlock essentially crossplay for everything everywhere i think and and we're yeah, it's and like i i i can't man, i can't just how is nintendo in the progressive side of this but like nintendo historically oh, is always the the sluggish like hey well actually yeah, we're gonna do it the old way no they they uh they made a joint uh advertisement with microsoft with saying you can yeah. play uh i think it was minecraft um yeah. Play together was their shtick. So they are completely open to it. And uh, so we essentially have no 
platform now where you can't do cross-play anymore and cross-progression. So I think every it's going to be beneficial for every every game, every gamer, um, and everyone's going to be buying games on multiple plat- platforms, I suppose. Sure. Uh, so yeah, that's the that's the big news for me. There is also um, a, a name change coming uh, very soon. Uh, we remember Sean Layden, I think, uh, discussing it at PlayStation Experience last year, and he said, "I really hope that my hope is that by next year's PlayStation Experience, you will not have to ask me that question again uh, of when it is it coming and." They are not doing a PlayStation experience this year. So very smart, Sony. They're not going to have to do it. <laughs> um, never going to do it again. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, I mean, hopefully, I mean, it's it's pretty good. They don't need to do a PlayStation experience if they don't have anything to talk about. I think that is smart. Uh, don't raise expectations and then don't, you know, not deliver. That is the worst thing you could do. They are on on track with everything and uh that's a little bit disappointing but whatever there will be the game awards that will give us an opportunity for excitement in december um what else what else Uh, sony is coming up with the playstation classic which is their version of the retro retro console hdmi enabled with 20 games i think for 100 bucks are you excited about this not really no um I, i i I had the PlayStation One, the PS One, and I was, you know, but I, I, I'm kind of done with the this style of product. You know, I didn't really get excited for the SNES Mini or the NES Mini and stuff, and I played on it. I've, you know, I've, I've so played it's not on so them. much that you're done with them; it's that you never were excited at all, like me. I think, yeah. Well, just it for me. I, I, I want to play new games. Yeah, I've played old games, and my experience because I've <laughs> had these consoles and I've kept them. And then I've plugged them in and I've realized after about 10, 15 minutes, the fun's gone. Mm. The nostalgia washes away and you realize, actually, these aren't that good. Uh, you know, if they were good, they've been iterated on further and made into even better versions in other games. Mm. Yeah. I get the but nostalgia. I think it's almost a series of collector's items. I, You know, someone said it. I can't remember who it was, but um, thinking of it as something you display in your home or whatever to showcase your love of these things and when i look at it like that i almost want them not to play them but just to have them as you know as uh, collector pieces yeah and i can see like the the advantage of them having hdmi output and stuff yeah to be able to plug it into modern stuff and be able to consume that content legally but you never i can see the see the advantage but uh, if i'm sitting down in front of my tv to play a game i'm gonna play a good game like a new game, <laughs> one that's, you know, I don't see well, people I saying, like, oh, Super- I'm not going to pick up Destiny 2 or Black Ops 4. I'm going to go play, uh, you know, the original uh, Tekken. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, you Tekken, Tekken 7. You play the new Tekken. Yeah, yeah, you know? it's true. I mean, I can see, uh, obviously, nostalgia, but uh, yeah, it's that's always the case. Some people love them, more power to you, so you'll be able to buy the PlayStation Classic with the... Terrible 3D graphics that age so much worse than mm. uh, 16-bit graphics. 8, 8-bit, you know, I don't really love. 16-bit is still nice, um, but 3D doesn't age well. 32-bit, 3D, 
Mm. <laughs> Enjoy it, guys. Uh, PlayStation Now. Last a bit of Sony news. Uh, PlayStation Now is now enabling the possibility to download the game to your console. As you know, PlayStation Now is the streaming service from Sony mm. uh, that has a, a collection of... 600 games now um pretty extensive obviously if you don't have a good connection it's uh, challenging but you can now download many of the most of the playstation 4 games and uh, playstation 2 remastered games on your console physically just like you can on the xbox game pass um the difference is so they have a lot more games than the xbox game pass i think um and you can choose whether to stream or to uh, download but obviously they don't have the recent games uh you have like two years lag i guess between the games that come on playstation now and even not all of them come out on playstation now whereas on the xbox game pass you get many many last uh generation uh, uh, very recent games day and date with the release for first party games for the microsoft games Mm. of course there aren't as many Uh, so it's really a different kind of offering quality over quantity yeah. depending on your perspective i mean the quality there are some great games on playstation now it's just not the latest mm. ones um but uh so with yeah, this so it's the idea different... is is that you can download them so you avoid the bandwidth fluctuation exactly of quality of video and stuff yeah uh, so uh, a friend of mine runs a product called polystream and it's a it's one of those cloud gaming services um, but what they do that's different that I don't think PlayStation Now does. I think the way PlayStation Now works is that there's basically a a, a, a unit in the cloud that's playing it and streaming it to you. Oh, I'm sure it's servers, but yeah. So the way that the Polystream works is that they send the instructions to your GPU. So the kind of the CPUs in the cloud, and it uses your local GPU to render and output and do all of that. Oh, so it's a it's lower bandwidth, higher quality yeah. experience, lower latency, all the rest, and infinitely more plausible in today's cost of if you've got to buy a load of PlayStations to put in the cloud so that people can play on their PlayStations. Seems crazy. Um, so so I don't know if PlayStation it, now renders locally or externally. No, it renders externally. You could play it. You can play it on PC. Actually, PlayStation now you can play on PC. You don't need yeah. anything. Um, so Polystream actually just sends it. It doesn't render. It doesn't send video. It, it sends, sends instructions it for your graphics card. Your graphics so if you have card, a really good yeah. graphics card, you're going to get a nicer look. Hmm. But if, the thing is, is yeah. it's, it's all about the now. You, know, you mm. haven't got to download the game, install the game, all the rest. You just That's, run the game. Yeah, and, it's uh, it's interesting, yeah. uh, but you still need the graphics card to render it. So yeah, I mean, kind th- of... their argument is that gamers tend to have those. Right, and right, so, right. So it's a different. And and well, they and they got it. I saw them. I don't think this is NDA. I'm going to say it anyway. I saw okay. them uh, having The Witcher three in 4K running off of an Xbox One. And oh. as much as you can, you know, it was the PC version right, running right. on the Xbox, like all streamed and stuff. I was like, this is crazy. This is like, you know, black magic. So how, it, how can, are you doing this? it can do it better than you could do if everything was rendered locally, is what you're it, saying? It, it, well, in theory, yeah, because you can take a, you know, you can take part of the, of the computing power outside of the computing of the, power out yeah. of it. And equally, then uh, you can have uh, a huge amount more uh, units. Uh, because in theory, the way that because I used to work on um, on live like eight right. years ago, whatever, mm. and the way that works is if you wanted to play, it's basically there was a you know not 4K but a 4K gaming rig in the cloud 
for every person that pressed the button saying they wanted to play the game. Yeah, and, and that's why it had to be close to those people so that the latency was low enough that it worked. That's so how Shadow PC just, works and PlayStation Now. And exactly. I'm guessing so they the have, you know, virtualized insane. devices, but they still need a device yeah. per stream. A huge, exactly, a yeah. huge amount of hardware and mm. cost per person. And it's the sort of thing like, by the sounds of things now, I've seen this technology working. If this can be spun out more, the if they can make it cheaper, then you you reduce the cost, meaning you can put that investment into titles and other stuff that's really interesting because obviously we've heard about uh xbox scarlet which is the next project from microsoft the next console and it's going to be half physical half streaming with Mm. some portions of the uh gpu computing or of the computing being done locally to reduce lag. Uh, there's uh, hit detection prediction and stuff like that that they were talking about. Yeah. I, I don't know enough technically to know how these things work, but it seems there's some uh, products that already do something somewhat kind of a little bit similar. So that's really interesting. So, yeah, I find yeah. It exactly. I just find it really exciting, cloud gaming. Mm. It's that whole thing of like, if you wanted to play World of Warcraft today, Currently, you have to download a, you know, a portion of the game. It's not the whole thing, the way they've got their streaming client set up. But you still have to download something, install it, wait a bit, load up. Whereas with these you know, cloud gaming services, you can click and you're in. Yeah. And I think that what free-to-play gave to games was it removed the obstacle of cost in terms of, well, you can just try it. See if you like it. And if you do, yeah, there's going to be in-game transactions there that will slowly <laughs> milk you dry. But you know, remove the, the, the initial hurdle. And I think if they can take that further with cloud gaming to, to do that for premium products and free products, whereby you can just jump straight in, mm. uh, you know, no, no install, no wait, just straight in. That, I think, uh, kind of just explodes out games even further. It grows the yeah. industry. Exciting times. Holy it crap. will be interesting to follow in the future. But you know what is interesting to follow now? Destiny 2 for second. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> I knew you were going to catch that. Um, so Destiny 2 Forsaken. Let's recap very quickly um, what is what happened over the past year or so. Destiny 2 came out um, mm-hmm. and it was great for the leveling up process. Now, the campaign wasn't as awesome, I think, as many people were saying. I thought it was average. But the real issue with Destiny 2 was that the end game content wasn't um, super developed, wasn't super fantastic. It was yeah. actually very problematic, and I'll come back to that later. So what I did was that I played for about 80 hours, as I mentioned, um, and then stopped, whereas Destiny 1 basically ate my life for two years. And it was a little bit of a disappointment. I really enjoyed these initial 80 hours, and I actually thought it was a great... There were great additions from Destiny 1 to Destiny 2, um, and and a lot of interesting gameplay mechanics and uh, uh, activities, and a lot of corrections from the issues of Destiny 1, but that end game was really problematic um so that was my issue with destiny 2 vanilla i I could go into a whole dissertation Mm. about the whole (laughs) thing but that was the main one and 
I was very angry with Bungie and Activision because I didn't buy the two mini expansions from last year. And they told me if I want to play Forsaken, the big expansion from this year, that I had to buy these other two. And I didn't want to because I would obviously skip over them and just rush to the new stuff. And and I didn't want to pay for something I wouldn't use. But... Two things happened. Uh, <laughs> first, <laughs> not exactly. First, everyone who I trust and love has been telling me that Forsaken is really doing for Destiny 2 what the Taken King did for Destiny mm. 1, meaning make it great again. Um, I could have said what Donald Trump is doing for America, but, you know, I, I'm yeah. no, you, keeping it, it in, in, it. in It's really well, good. And uh, equally... Destiny wasn't as great as it is now. So it genuinely has made it great. That's, that is, well, I mean, I love Destiny 1. Well, but yeah, you're right. Destiny 1 was. I think the thing great. is, is if you look at um, The Division, uh, Destiny, Destiny 2, uh, I'm trying to think of another kind of game For like Honor, uh, For Siege. Honor, I mean, yeah, Rainbow, Rainbow Six, Siege. Six Siege. We had a, a whole host of AAA titles that came out unfinished. And they didn't want to use the term early access, which <laughs> the kind of indie triple I scene has been using now. So we kind of buy it and we expect, all right, yeah, this is going to get better. Uh, we expected the product to be complete and they sold it as such. And well, I it, would dispute that, honestly, yeah. in the case of Destiny. Um, it was a complete product. It was just it had issues. Um it had very big issues. Well, I mean, maybe it wasn't finished in the sense that it wasn't polished. They didn't look at it seriously. But the big problems with Destiny 1 were the campaign, really. It was... I, I mean, no. The big problem with Destiny 1 was that Story it wasn't... And- it wasn't what people thought it was going to be. It wasn't a big MMO. It was really a multiplayer shooter. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, and, and people thought it was going to be this grand space adventure... And the, the, the lore and storytelling around it was, first of all, very poor, but it was also just a wrapper around great shooting mechanics. And now, to be fair, Destiny 2 didn't really fix that entirely. Some, as I mentioned, some people said Destiny 2 was great, had a great campaign. It really wasn't. It was average. It was okay. Um, I need my fire team. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, Is you that your get- Zavala? That's my Zavala. That's good. good. That's a good Zavala. Um, So, okay, I I didn't want to pay for all of this, but everyone has been telling me Destiny 2 Forsaken is great. And I found a collection of, like, legendary collection, which includes everything for the price of just Forsaken. And I was Mm -hmm. always happy to pay Forsaken, to pay for Forsaken. I just didn't want to pay for the other two uh, expansions, Osiris and um, Warmind. Curse of Osiris, yeah. Yeah. And, And so essentially I didn't. I got them for free because I got the full thing for just the price of Forsaken. So I figured, you know, I buy it, I plug it in, I'm going to play through Osiris and Warmind, and I did, and Osiris was pretty terrible, uh, Warmind was just terrible, not, you know, it, it was pretty bad. Um, have you, and have so, you done the, have you done the Sleeper Simulant um, quest? uh, quests? No, no, I didn't. So that's the thing. So Warmind, Warmind did introduce some really fun MMO-esque style things, and equally, uh, have you got Whisper of the Worm? No. So Whisper of the Worm is the point, in my opinion, where Destiny 2 went from a good game to a legendary game. 
Um, they introduced uh, a, a weapon, uh, which um, is it the Black Spindle in Destiny One? I'm yeah. trying to remember the name. Yeah. So basically, they they brought that back in the shape of the Whisper of the Worm. So it's an exotic sniper rifle um, that has um, a trait where if you nail three precision shots, it refills the mag. So uh, just out of nowhere. So you can basically just chain precision hit uh, enemies. So if you're doing a big raid boss where they've got a huge precision uh, like headshot style mechanic for one of their phases, you whack out this gun and just bang, 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 bang. And it is the best weapon in the game. So it's really cool. But what made it special is how you get it. So on a weekend, has to be a weekend, a world event will spawn on the planet Io. And uh, at the same time of that, in another location on IO, a Taken uh, boss will spawn. And again, none of this is documented. Hey, go to IO and kill this. It just happened. Uh, you then kill this guy. None of this is documented, you said. You, you cut off for a yeah, second. Like, yeah. yeah, so none of this is documented. It's not part of the game. No, no quest guys told to go there. You know, Zavala's not said, hey, there's a... There's a taken incursion on Io. Uh, so you just <laughs> you you go out there, you kill this guy. A portal opens. You go through, and then you're in this uh, area, and a timer is just counting down from twenty. And people basically explored around, and then they found there was this little hole with a little um, kind of taken fissure over it. They shot, they fell down, and then there's this huge jumping puzzle that they they went through. And they found their way through. And then once they got to the end of this like labyrinth-style maze, they found uh, three bosses. And they're really, really hard. And then you kill these three bosses, and it drops the Whisper of the Worm, this exotic sniper rifle. Uh, and then you also unlock a heroic version of that that you can enter at any point. And you have to go through and complete the catalyst where you have to find chests and... Uh, you can also get a, a ship so, and things yeah, like that. Let me interrupt you it. for a second there. Um, because I think a lot of the listeners are a little bit lost. Yeah, um, there's no doubt. So apologies. No, Basically, what I'm you're... saying is, is they introduce game mechanics like Vanilla Warcraft, whereby I didn't read about it. Well, you, did, you do now read about it on like Wowhead. But the game had emergent story and fun and quests. It was accessible to everyone. You didn't need to be playing the, the end game raid at the time to be able to get this weapon. You just needed to be able to discover it uh, find it. it, it caused people to talk in game and group up uh, socially and, you know, be like, hey, I know what I'll do. I'll tell you what, you come with me. You can, I'll, I'll guide you through the labyrinth and we'll do that together. It's, it, it just, just was beautiful. It's just funny so, because so fantastic. what you're describing, so Destiny was always a great shooter, had great mechanics. I've said it a million times. What you're describing is the incredible achievement of Destiny 1, the Taken King. It was amazing. There was so many things like that in that game. And it it motivated the community. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone was excited. We were exploring together. And you had these challenges that were super hard and you had to investigate. It was like, an, it was honestly a new era of gaming secrets to be explored by the community. Um, and the tragedy is that they had developed this product with Destiny 1, The Taken King, that was 
very balanced. You had great gameplay, great engagement. It was still dumb for the story, but <laughs> it, it was a fun to play. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and Destiny 2 Vanilla basically abandoned all of this. There were no exciting secrets, no um, uh, uh, gameplay loop that would keep you in the game for a long time. Th their cardinal sin was, we are going to make this game you know, playable for for four hours a week. You you can finish what you have to do yeah. in four hours a week, and it was an in intentional design intent. You know, it was like the the issue with Destiny One was that people were spending so much time in it that it was too much of a commitment, and normal people couldn't play it. So we're gonna do the same game, but you just have four hours worth of. Uh, uh, stuff to do to get upgrades. Everything after that you can still play, but you don't get upgrades. And of course, since this is a simile MMO type thing, you're always chasing the next item level thing that is going to make you progress. Um, and they have gotten back to that in a big way with Destiny 2 Forsaken. And actually, before I get to that, I do have to add, uh, there's one thing which I think people are going to be wondering if you've never played Destiny 1, if you've never cared and you don't want to play, is it worth doing for the campaign? And no. I have never enjoyed the campaigns in any Destiny game. As I said, Destiny 1 was ridiculous. The Taken King was okay, but it was like five hours or 10 hours maybe, and it was not that great. It was nice. Um, Destiny 2 was really very average. The campaign was never what you got from Destiny. In Destiny 2, it is great. Forsaken. In Destiny 2 Forsaken, yes, yes. Yeah. In Destiny 2 Forsaken, the campaign is really well written. It is engaging. It is fun. And not only is it a great solo campaign, it weaves in parts of the solo game. Uh, because previously, you did the solo campaign, which was essentially you do missions one after another, and you're playing alone maybe at some point you will you know see other people around you yeah, but that's bubbles, it you're playing yeah. yeah but you just essentially rush through the multiplayer portions in forsaken they give you a lot of stuff to do that forces you to take part into what is essentially the end game of uh destiny and so doing the campaign which is quite long i would say it's 15 hours maybe something like that I'd you say so. Actually, you go from level 30 to 50. Yeah, and it takes context. a while. Yeah, and previous expansions, you've gone from 20 to 25 to 25 yeah. to 30. This is 30 to 50. It's, and, you know, it's a big chunk of content. And you get a sample of what the actual game is, including the end game. You play through those uh, uh, heroic, uh, I'm sorry, uh, public events, and you do some patrols, and you it kind of weaves you into all of this, and you are... Uh, uh, brought to those places and you actually take part in it. For the first time ever, I would recommend uh, uh, a Destiny thing, even if you're only doing the campaign. It's brilliantly and done. I love it. the game, you get a boost. It puts you to 30 yeah. and uh, power level 320. So you can play straight away. Um, if you played Destiny 1, you go to the Prison of Elders. So you got a great nostalgic kick right from the start. Um, if you haven't played a Destiny game before, it doesn't matter. It will talk you through it. Basically, the campaign is a, a Wild West revenge story. And mm. you feel like uh, an outlaw um, going out 
and 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 bringing justice to the frontier and then it beautifully segues into a weird space uh wizard <laughs> aliens don't quite understand other dimension thing and still feels brilliant it still yeah. feels like a fantastic progression of story um the there's a raid that is really hard but then there's strikes there's uh heroic strikes nightfall strikes there's even a single They're player essentially dungeon. dungeons yeah yeah well there's now a dungeon they call it a dungeon which is a si- well a single strike team fire team raid so a one to three player raid uh experience oh, really? which one is it complicated mechanics so it's where you get the new exotic bow um the wish ender uh so it's got i think like four different bosses but these bosses require you to be extremely competent uh move not just keep firing at a shield that says immune 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 <laughs> but wait the wish ender i've done i've done a lot of things i don't is it like uh, you enter it like you so would you enter know a strike the, the idol you got to enter the um the dreaming city yes of the spider spider yeah. so that idol is the start of the wish ender bow and also what you'll notice around the dreaming city are all of these amankara or taken eggs these weird sort of crystally things um, right, which the, say immune bow, when you try to shoot them. Exactly. The only weapon that can destroy those is the Wish Ender bow. So you have to go into this single player uh, or, or single strike team uh, dungeon. No, but that's uh, my point. Defeat. Where is it? How do you get into it? So uh, it is, um, I think you have to use a tincture. Uh, of queen's oh and wrong. then you see the secret trying to, trying pathways to, yeah, exactly. and... trying to remember it's right, again right. it's not listed on the on the the maps or anything like that again discovery community it's all of the brilliant things that an mmo uh or you know an online multiplayer game should have and i i um, would even argue honestly that what you just witnessed now was you know terps are saying oh there's this thing and you're like oh wait how do you get it do you think it's here yeah. and do you get it? and and this is something that we never have quite had in that way um in any game and and that was the brilliance of the taken king and it was so sad when it didn't come back in uh, uh destiny 2 how, how Maybe many, they were how many trying separate to. design teams or studios do you think are involved in destiny i think it's just one it's other oh. well i mean there are a couple of teams there's a live no, no, team no, no, and no. The... there's there's three different studios oh it's not just you mean... bungie there are literally three, at least maybe even more, different studios involved in this. And there is a live team, and there is a team, I'm sure, that's working on Destiny 3. Right, um, right. You know, but it's, there's lots of different companies and teams and expertise that are all getting wrangled together back at you know, Bungie's HQ. Um, and it's not to say that, oh, the launch team is crap, and the live team come along, and you know, the Taken King guys are back. Uh, the Taken King guys made the beginning of Destiny 2. Exactly. Uh, that's why I was they, saying it was design intent <laughs> to... It wasn't, you know, that's what I thought at first, maybe. But it was really uh, uh, it, clear, it, we found out, that they wanted the game to become more casual. And in that, in doing that, they essentially... Uh, didn't really attract the casual players and lost many of the hardcore players. But it was just a bad decision. It's easy to decide now, you know, to realize now that it was a bad decision. But at the time, it could have made sense. I think it was really a bad decision. But uh, <laughs> it's but this but kind of engagement, uh, th- this kind of engagement, I almost never see anywhere. Maybe in WoW and a lot of WoW's, you know, uh, uh, Legion secrets 
there was a lot of secrets that engaged the community in the, in that expansion. I, I really yeah. think it was inspired by the way it was done with uh, Destiny's The Taken King. Um, no doubt. And, and so the campaign is really great. But after you're done with the campaign, you still feel like you have stuff to do. And beyond that, I joked about it on Twitter earlier, Destiny 2 is essentially a giant to-do list. More than that, it's like overlapping to-do lists of different kinds. There are like four different kinds of to-do lists that each overlap with one another. And every time you, you know, accomplish one of the items, it checks a box in like three different things you have to do. So there's this feeling of... I'm accomplishing stuff all the time. Efficiency. Yeah, exactly. I've done and, really well on this one as well. And and all of the items, actually, 95% of the items are go shoot stuff, which is great because the best bit shooting, of the game. yeah, it's the it's the best part of the of the game, shooting stuff. And and it's never ending. I think ending. it's the one thing that kind of hurts it though at the same time because I think people who like Destiny are people who like World of Warcraft. People who like World of Warcraft don't necessarily think of themselves as shooter fans because they think of Call of Duty. Um, this isn't Call of Duty. This is Warcraft level of numbers and abilities and gearing and upgrades um, c coupled with an amazing, vis visceral, satisfying gameplay experience of shooting combat. Um, and it, it really is just a, an amazing fusion of genres. And you can kind of see like back when uh, Overwatch and Titan was going to be more MMO-y, like could it have been like Destiny? Could they have made a game where you run around as a character like Tracer and also, uh, you know, get gear and progression and upgrades and things like that? And you can see Destiny does that very well. Very, very well. I agree. It is as uh, uh, satisfying to play as ever. Uh, the progression and the secrets are motivating. You always have something to do. You ho always have 15 things to do. Um, you get, as I said, a great story and, and excitement for the future. And once you're done with a campaign, there are still so many things to do. And I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's I didn't look at any video or anything before I played, and I was amazed at some of the things that I found after I did the campaign. So it is, well, you know, the big context, question is, you, you, the end game area you do not experience until after you have finished the campaign. Right, so where you spend the the vast majority of your time is uh, is is a whole extra thing that you didn't even know existed right well that's the thing i didn't want to spoil but there you go i guess you did <laughs> but uh but it's 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 a very tiny spoiler and and probably by now it's impossible to ignore um there is one issue that well potential issue which is the annual pass which you have to pay in one go if you want the uh, updates for the whole year i and we don't know yet if they're going to be blocking like if it's going to be a light level a, a power level increase for your character so if you don't have them then you don't have access to the end game we don't quite know yet um but i mean for me 
if you can get the legendary edition of Destiny 2 Forsaken, which is essentially everything that came before, um, I think it's worth it because the campaign alone is worth it. It's not the best game you've ever played, uh, but it's such a fun experience for even if you just play for 20 hours. Um, and then you get the end game. If you don't get the end game because the annual pass has, uh, you know, made that goalpost go a little bit farther, then it's your choice to play, to pay more to get that. But we don't, at this point, it's still extremely, uh, uh, there's nothing that's been added that changes that. Uh, but it doesn't really matter because in the, for the first time in the history of that franchise, I would say the campaign alone is definitely worth the money for the full thing. Especially if you pay, you know, it's going to be 50 bucks pretty soon, maybe even less. Um, absolutely worth it. A hundred percent. I would. And, and beyond the campaign itself, I will say if you play through it, you will have a reasonable understanding of what Destiny is, which wasn't the case for the previous campaigns um so mm. it's a recommend for me yeah definitely uh you know stop you listening now go, go get it it's, uh, <laughs> even if people history. like you also agree even if it's just to play through the campaign you would recommend it yeah no 100 uh, but the thing is is you won't stop at just the campaign yeah it will win really you hard. over like it is one of those <laughs> games once you play it and you get into it you get it and you're mm. like holy moly why have i not been playing this already uh <laughs> It is it's really, really solid. All right. Well, there you go. That is Destiny 2 Forsaken. Our impressions on that game, uh, for me, surprisingly positive. I didn't think it was going to be yeah. that uh, yeah. that fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, other tidbits of news. Oculus has announced the Oculus Quest, which is a standalone VR headset. Um, it's So think of it as the Oculus Go which is the cheaper version. The Oculus Go is about 250 bucks. Um, but this one is 400. But uh, my issue with the Oculus Go was that you didn't have six degrees of freedom, only three degrees. Essentially what it meant was you couldn't move around. You could uh, rotate, but not uh, move from one place to another. And that is a huge problem for VR because one of the key attractions the, the key assets of vr technology is that you can move in a space and the other thing was you couldn't use touch controllers essentially the controller wouldn't move when you moved your hands so you couldn't render your hands the oculus quest does both of those things and it is a standalone headset you don't have to connect with long cables to your pc the problem is um you don't it it is not high power enough to just play the Oculus games. So you will have to, or experiences, you will have to wait for those experiences to be ported specifically to the Oculus Quest. So I'm not sure yet if I could recommend this for people. Um, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. If they develop the library quick enough, maybe. Um, but it's still 400 bucks, which is not cheap. And mm. you have to buy the controllers on top of that i'm i think do you know what i find the biggest hurdle with with vr is uh, and i don't know if this is just exclusively europe but certainly where i live and it is a uh, play space like mm, my house right. i live in a I, I i live in a reasonably nice house it's, a, it's got some room some size i mean yeah i've got kids but like you know there's space 
is there enough space to play VR games? Not really. Mm. Like the amount of um, uh, living space you need to give over to a setup to allow you to consume that. Um, and then equally to obviously blindfold yourself. Uh, you know, it just, it, it doesn't really work. And I, you know, I, I've, I've been in the development studios where they, they make these games and they have these huge caves mm-hmm. set up as VR studios that they go in and test it in. And I'm like, this is bigger than my bedroom without any furniture <laughs> in. And you're here like, oh, this is a great experience. I'm like, yeah, it is, but not in a home. Like, you know, all these people creating these experiences where it's like, yeah, you can move around, you can interact with stuff. Well, you know? I mean, the, my experience with the... sat down. Yeah. My experience with the uh, PSVR is it's doable if you're sitting down or just getting up and you move your table, you know, your coffee table around a little bit and, and you have enough space for that. But um, I, I think with a standalone headset that has no cable coming out of it and doesn't require, you know, uh, uh, cameras to be all around your room, I think it's much more doable for most people, including in our tiny European homes. So I, I think this is the direction to be going. Um, but it's still a little bit expensive and you have to add the cost of the, the controllers on top of that. Mm. And, I mean, we're getting apparently a Darth Vader experience, which is going to be developed by Ninja Theory. So that's a, you know, reliable studio. Um, and it's going to be episodic and everything. So maybe that's going to be fun. But I, I'm, I'm still... The problem is, if you had told me the Oculus Quest can play all of the Oculus games, and, you know, sure, it has two hours of... Even if it has an hour and a half of battery life, no, it doesn't matter because that is the games already there and ready and already proven. I might have gotten it. The fact that we need games to be ported for this and it has the capabilities, uh, roughly the power of a X, Xbox 360, PS3. Um, it's not bad. I think it can create good experiences, but you're probably not going to get the experiences you wanted from even the the PS4, like the PSVR. It's going to be mm-hmm. less capable than those. So it's not about the visuals necessarily because the Oculus Go visuals are okay. It's more about the fact that they need to be port. The games need to be ported to that platform, and it's going to be hard for many of those games. So I don't know what to. I don't think I'm recommending it. I'm not getting it. So, um, TGS Tokyo Game Show had a few uh, little uh, bits of information. We get a new. We got a new trailer for Death Stranding with Troy Baker mm. playing a weird, another weird character monster thing. Um, I mean, he was it. playing a character, and there was a monster that he summoned, and we still don't know anything about the game. Excited? Using, for well, Stranding? yes and no. In that I, I, you know, I've enjoyed uh, Hideo Metal Kojima's um, yeah. you know previous work. Um, I really liked um, Phantom Pain and um, uh, the other Metal Gear Solid recently. Um, yeah, I don't know. It looks really nice. It looks a little bit confusing, but then again, like if you create a cutscene with some Metal Gear Solid stuff out of context. You'd probably be like, "What the heck is this?" Yeah, but actually, when you play true. it, you you understand it all. Um, I would say the, it's the kind Death of... Stranding is more out there than Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, it seems to be, but I think it's going to be like some sort of uh, kind of stealth based uh, exploration delivery sim. 
whereby you have your extra <laughs> life is a baby you carry around on your body or something like that. That does not sound exciting at all to me, but you know what? Yeah. Maybe it's going to be fun. Um, Puyo Puyo. It looks nice, at least. It, it looks very nice. I mean, I'm intrigued. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm more intrigued than when it first uh, uh, appeared on the scene. Um, Puyo Puyo is getting an esports version, and that let, well, not an esports version. It's like a new game called Esports Edition or something like that. It led oh. me to think, <laughs> why are puzzle games, Tetris-like games, not an esport? It's like super easy to understand. It's impressive when you uh, immediately when you look at it. It is. It does require a huge amount of, of mastery. Puyo Puyo would make a great esports. I, I that's obviously what they're thinking. It seems so. Yeah, yeah but um, hmm, so we'll but, see. I have to see. I think it's, it's, it's a question of um, there's a lot of really fun games to play, a lot of fun sports to play that don't necessarily translate into terribly fun uh, watching experiences. But um, I think this one would. Don't you think yeah. so? Like a Puyo Puyo or a Tetris? Yeah, m- maybe. maybe. Again, I don't know, really. It depends on what the kind of... Uh, yeah, I think if it's mm. against other players, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. The, that's yeah, the idea. Yeah, yeah. but that- it, it needs to be... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably I, I, not going to happen. But I just, I just yeah. thought it could be fun. Uh, Maybe. Castle, are you are you ready for some super old school Castlevania games on your PlayStation Four? No. Oh well, okay. Then you don't care that on October twenty sixth, <laughs> uh, Symphony of the Night and Rondo of Blood are coming to PS Four. I'm I'm excited. I'm a big Castlevania fan. I'll probably won't get it though so <laughs> i don't think i will the thing is i is had that, a, yeah. a moment of honesty here just now but there's yeah. there's uh fallout 76 betas coming out around that time isn't it mm. and i just think likely playing that you know what else is coming out around that time uh no what what is the biggest game of the year oh you you're what? coming out of the closet at that time, and I salute you for that. It's great. Game, um, not game. Red Dead Redemption. There uh, you yeah, go. Red Dead Redemption Two is is coming out, and that that as well is going to dominate mm-hmm. uh, everyone's life. Which, by the way, uh, since we're moving on, they announced that they have an an online version coming out uh, in November as a public beta. So it's starting, you know, uh, uh, slowly. But uh, yeah, Red Dead Redemption Online confirmed. It's not like we had any doubt. They've been making so much money with GTA oh, Online. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder what it's going to look like, though. Is it going to be like everyone has their saloon base and dresses funny? And like, do you? I, I don't know like what Red GTA Dead Online looks go, like. Exactly. Are they going to have an update four years from now where we've got Robo Horse? <laughs> and zombie horse yeah and all of that probably um i think if as long as they can keep the fun of online uh then rdr2 online will be really really strong but um, how how does it even take shape like do you go well, out they, and you, play they had missions online or... in, in red dead redemption you know, oh did they i forgot it was about lots that of, yeah mm. it was lots of um kind of deathmatchy shooty stuff and mm. uh you'd go in as a as a posse and clear out a load of npc missions and stuff like that you know i, I used to play it with nicole back in the day oh wow. um yeah i'm surprised we didn't invite you that's really weird. <laughs> um but you know so it, i'm sure i'm sure they can create some really fun online experiences um but for me that i i love these games for their offline mode and then it's the community if as long as they can create the the thing that keeps me playing gta 5 online is the constant 
uh, addition of community maps and challenges and modes and you know kind of we, we but do it just playlists. feels it, it mm-hmm. just feels like a modern game is so much more you know possible to make into an online experience for the western it would feel weird if you added you know i guess they can add new maps and missions but it's just not you can't add as you said robo horses but it's the furniture exactly and they they can change it and Mm. they can make it so that you know on on gta 5 we're going through these big jumps and uh speed boosts and stuff like that um you know they can still have that on uh Mm, red dead redemption maybe. on horses Did, you just kind of suspend your disbelief a bit or they make was there a zombie wood. mode in red dead there was they released a yeah. um a, a zombie dlc didn't they mm, um i think so but, yeah all right well uh if you if you enjoy driving fast in gta you're probably going to enjoy forza and forza horizon 4 apparently is amazing i was never into you know uh, well i haven't been into racing games for a long time but i'm hearing only good things about Horizon 4. I mean, it, the Horizon Forza in general is very highly regarded. Horizon is the very accessible version of that franchise. And 3 was already great. And it seems 4 is fixing everything, the small things that were not great with uh, 3. So I, I guess it's a recommend. Everyone I've been hearing talking about it said it's great. So you can mm. go check it out. Uh, Telltale is so sad did we talk about it last time i don't think so uh essentially telltale has uh announced that they are well has laid off 90 percent of their staff um they have kept a very small uh staff on to finish up a few projects not the walking dead initially now they are announcing that uh, they might be able to finish the walking dead uh with partners which the entire industry answered don't think about finishing the walking dead think about severance for your employees that you just let go um Mm. i mean obviously looking at it from europe where we do have unemployment you know uh, uh benefits it's just sad to see how that works out every time but the other thing is telltale is such a sad story of mismanaged success uh as brilliant as epic is in managing Fortnite. telltale has had the world as its oyster <laughs> on the platter all the metaphors you can think of with the success of the walking dead initially a few years ago and they squandered that opportunity in such a bad way it was like everyone looking at it knew what was wrong for real this time not like every gamer knows what's wrong with every game mm. and usually doesn't understand what's actually uh what that implies in this case everyone knew what the problems were and that they were taking on too much not refreshing the engine and and they the only people that didn't know seemed to be the people in charge of the company and that was so sad and we've come to the unavoidable conclusion that telltale is uh, not making enough money to keep going and that's really sad it is it's a real sad sad tale tell uh and it is i like those guys have made a fantastic game uh and then they've kept making that same game now for near enough a decade Mm. um and some versions were good i mean you know the 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 sometimes uh, the ip carried it sometimes it didn't uh yeah i think it's uh that 
the 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 people who kind of uh, don't get any of the credit uh, f- for making those great experiences are the ones who get all of the brunt mm. of, of yeah. And uh, with the biggest industry in the world, when it comes to entertainment, bigger than you know movies and um, music combined, uh, you know games make a huge amount of money. However, that doesn't necessarily trickle down to the actual people who are actually making the games. So um, yeah, yeah there that. there was a lot of discussions about unionization and defending, and it's true that an issue with the industry is that there are a lot of I wouldn't say abuses, but Un- not even the savory like it's extreme practices where crunch is required from everyone and uh you hire people who are really excited to get into this industry so you don't necessarily have to it's not that you don't treat them with respect it's that you you can afford for people to you know to, to you can you can you can chew people up and spit them out and it's and, just how you're going to have more people because there are so many people that are excited to to work in games yeah. um, exactly but if you don't like it you can go and walk on because i've got eight other people who are ready to take your place yeah and it's so not you necessarily down and you work hard and late or someone else will and that's the thing and it's a question of do you want that life don't you want that life and that's the thing people look at the games industry and they look at it as fun you know playing games all day not really. Yeah. You know, you, 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 yeah. Also, you look at a fantastic company like Blizzard. You know, I, I always say to, to work at Blizzard is a phenomenal gift up until your game gets cancelled and you realize that those countless uh, years that you probably put in not seeing your family, um, they decided that that wasn't good enough. And we've chucked out that product and that now is in the bin and no one will see or enjoy what you put your heart and soul into. You know, but if you want to succeed, you, you've got to put your heart soul into the next thing as well and hope that that one pays off i I would go even farther um you know i worked for for blizzard in europe so it's not hq uh, but for a few years and i have no doubt that this is one of the best gaming companies to work for it is a fantastic work environment people are awesome people are you know friendly and but just like any other company and i'm saying this because there was a tweet that made the rounds from Telltale employee um, that said, you know, I worked so hard and now I get nothing. And, and and he was very disappointed in the way, like companies in general, and maybe especially in the gaming industry, have a tendency of making you feel like they're your friends and they, and you owe them your loyalty and mm. your, your, not your life, but you know, you owe them efforts. And of course you have to do the job that you're paid to do and you have to do it well and you have to be dedicated, but it doesn't mean it should take over your life or emotionally take you over. And I think it's very easy for games to have that effect. Um, And the gaming industry, because you know we're all gamers and we all love it and we do it because we love it because if we didn't love it we didn't we wouldn't do it yeah sure it's true to an extent but it it, it doesn't mean the company loves you and just like i love blizzard as a gamer and i think it's an awesome company and they make awesome games uh they're still a company and their goal is to make money and it's the same with your relationship as an employee you can it can be a great company to work for and you can be a great employee but you're still an employee and they're a company and it's the same i think for every 
company in the industry, especially other companies. I think, as I mentioned, Blizzard is probably a, a very good example of how to do things right. Um, and there are worse examples in, in, uh, in, in every industry, especially in the gaming industry. But it, it's disheartening to see people uh, dedicate themselves to something like this and then get nothing for it. Um, in my case, I was very happy with the way things went, and I was very glad you know, for the way things ended, um, I think it's so easy to not be into that situation. And so talking about labor laws, and I mean, apparently there's a clash action, uh, class ac <laughs> a clash action, uh, a class action lawsuit being uh, um, uh, levied against Telltale because they broke labor laws. So it's not even just about uh, unions, but I, I do wonder if it isn't time that the gaming industry unionizes and starts to i know it's a bad word in the u.s unions are a bad word and certainly it can be problematic I, yeah but it, I, I, it's yeah. also important for workers to have a, a voice that can carry a little bit of weight and that's what uh, unions yeah exactly are. to understand that actually if you have the best interests of each other at heart that is in everyone's best interest and you know it's it, unions can go too far and it's stuff like, you know, I, I love America, land of the free. And you go over there and you're not actually allowed to do anything because that's a union job. Oh, no, you can't <laughs> move that. You've got to, that's a union. You've got to have someone from the union come along and do that. That's their job. You can't do that yourself. Uh, and it's like, oh, wow. Okay, crazy. And it's, it's so unions are, though, useful in that they look after everyone's best interests and they keep everyone, you know, happy and sustained, ideally. Uh, but it, I don't know. It's, the games I mean, industry yeah. is is still a very very young industry. That's true. Uh, yeah, very young, and and it's just you know we need to figure out how to do things best. Um, you know, it's like the the data shows the more diverse a game development team is, the better the products produced are, like financially. So actually, it doesn't matter if you're you know kind of uh, super liberal or not. You want to have as many different genders and ethnicities and sexualities on your dev dev team because the data proves you make more money. It's a it's, <laughs> it's a more successful I think, business. I think this and is it's the, the same genius. Thing, I think with with uh, with workers as well. If we can prove that actually keeping your dev development team happy and uh, you know like longer lasting uh, kind of abilities by not burning them out as much, that will be the way. It's really you know. The, the genius of Blizzard is that they figured out the way to make the most money is to make the best games. And it certainly has uh, worked out for them pretty well. So I don't know. I mean, it can be, there can be some mutually um, beneficial relationships in every aspect of this. But we're but not then you look experts. At Blizzard, but... and, and Blizzard aren't experts. The amount of um, you know, big, long-lasting members of the Blizzard development teams uh, that have been, you know, you know, on the on the box almost in terms of their name and their brand and their contributions, who have become disenfranchised with the company and have moved on. I don't think anyone is perfect. I don't think that exists. And I think the human desire to to constantly move on and and discover new things and try new things. Um, I think it's just Blizzard does a very good job of um, keeping people as happy as they can do so far uh but and, even and, then i you know i've heard i've heard allegations that blizzard is a real boys club and that if you're not in with the the elite guys at the top 
you're going to get nowhere. Uh, and uh, that, uh, you know, that they they have so many people. Historically, Blizzard didn't used to pay very well because they didn't need to. Yeah. I remember that changed. Uh, on the on the uh, gender thing, they're, they're really making a, you can see it, a huge effort in bringing up a lot of, women including you know in communications and 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 in uh, it's it's very visible um and on on the work thing on the pay thing i remember i was there um and i had been there for a couple of years where we had a pay adjustment because they brought us in line with the 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 standards of the industry and we were paid a little bit less because it was blizzard so there are there were efforts that were made in that and it was but the reason that happened wasn't because someone at the top suddenly had a, a pang of conscience it was that their talent was getting poached by all these other people who were like yeah i get that they're really nice and they give you a shield and a sword and <laughs> they'll get you some free food from time to time we'll do that as well and we'll pay you more money because there's a lot of money in games mm. and so blizzard was like holy moly we need to we can't just rely on the fact that we're really nice guys to work for we also need to be you know baseline matching everyone as well mm. and that's where competition Possible. bred a better work life and i think and they if people can do that and say like yeah you can work at telltale and they make some great products but they will work you into the ground Or you can work here. We make great products. We'll pay you the same. We'll do all the rest. But we'll also give you time off to spend with your family. We don't do crunch or we we have a crunch limit or whatever. Um, there will be things that people will be able to do that mean that talent will move to the better options. And the more people that do that, that's if that's how they attract people to their position, everyone has to up their levels just to compete with that talent pool of trying to get people to work at their their studios so what we're saying is you don't need unions what you need to do is try to implement every possible way of making the most money possible <laughs> which means you will not crunch people into quitting you will have a enjoyable work environment and that's how you make the most money possible so likely. that's an easy solution and unions likely. aren't needed uh yeah likely also you need to have the the smartest uh developers and artists and everything and give them a lot of time to make something good but not so much mm. that you waste your money on divas it's not easy i i you know yeah. i'm it happy really isn't if it podcast. was everyone would be doing it isn't everyone and, already doing yeah. it kind of though everyone's trying but i mean doing yeah. it well you know the <laughs> fact is that you know you can name the companies that do it well on one hand mm. and so it shows that it is not an easy thing to do Well, we could discuss that for a very long time, but we won't. <laughs> um, we're going to move on and talk about so a couple of little very quick things. Uh, Microsoft is enabling mouse and keyboard on the Xbox, but only for some games, uh, the games that want to implement it in the way that they want. So it's not like you're suddenly, because that would be a big problem. We talked about it with Destiny. If you can play against someone who is uh, using mouse and keyboard, Uh, and you're using your controller, you're going to get destroyed. So it just means that those who want to, and for maybe different applications, you're going to have mouse and keyboard support, finally. Uh, Microsoft is also organizing an event uh, called XO18 um, on November 11. So this is something that had existed in the, I think, Xbox 360 years. And they had abandoned it. They did it a few times. Um, I would be curious to see if they already start announcing some of the games that their uh, newly acquired studios are working on. That would be, that would be good. Be pretty cool. 
Xbox One S, there's a bundle with uh, Fortnite exclusives, which now means there are exclusive stuff for all three competitors, uh, meaning all three console manufacturers. There's a bundle for the Switch, for the PS4, and for the Xbox. Fortnite is everywhere. That also is not that surprising, but it's funny to see that they each have uh, their own bundle with the Xbox One having an Xbox skin. Um, So you can get that if you want. All the kids in the playground, obviously, are going to be, oh, man, they can't wait to get that Xbox skin. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Hey, talking about Blizzard, uh, World of Warcraft Classic is going to be available. Playable. Playable. At BlizzCon and at home. I think so. As I made no secrets about, I don't really, I'm not really excited about World of Warcraft Classic. All of the retro things don't really interest me. We mentioned it with the retro consoles earlier. Uh, But the really cool thing is that uh, BlizzCon, the virtual ticket that you pay for, of course, to have the conferences and some goodies. 50 bucks. Uh, as BlizzCon is happening, 50 bucks, the price has gone up. Uh, I have to buy it. I haven't bought it yet. Um, and, well, this will uh, enable you to play World of Warcraft Classic, which is going to be playable on the show floor at BlizzCon. So you're going to be able to play at home what is going to be playable on the show floor. The idea of this is awesome. Uh And if they announce a Diablo product, a new Diablo game, and if they have a demo of it, as they they always do uh, for a new game that's coming out, imagine if you could play it at home. I would be... I mean, that would be really cool. I don't know if they will. Obviously, they're talking about that you'll be able to download and play this classic uh, Warcraft experience. Yeah, World of Warcraft classic. uh, starting, Starting experiences on Horde and Alliance in one zone um the thing is is yeah it's tricky if it's if it's just warcraft classic it's cool that they're doing it and it's like oh this makes sense you have a build uh it's on all the pcs at the at the convention you can actually allow people to play that build at home it's a it's a limited truncated build so it's not like someone can unpack it and discover the whole game necessarily um that seems like a cool thing to do um at the same time it's a 15 year old game that i've bought before several times i've paid for uh continue i guess it's different uh, from a new game is what you're saying yeah, yeah. exactly and it's mm. just like uh why why have you got to buy the virtual ticket to play this demo experience and it's tricky because in some ways they're they're adding additional value to the virtual ticket which in and of itself has a load of in-game items all access to all the streams you know there's a huge amount of value in that but now they're gating something which i feel entitled to as a lifelong Warcraft player, why well, have I got to spend an extra fifty bucks to to play this demo? I think that I've already I bought the game. I have the game. <laughs> yeah, Give but this is not released. This is not released. This is, this, the is, game. this is Warcraft. Listen, like this Nick is Classic. BlizzCon virtual ticket. So you're virtually yeah. getting the experience that people are getting at BlizzCon. Yeah. It's going. not a game that is. Well, you are going. Yeah. I'm not. Um, so. But the I thing is, is I, I just, I, you know, I, I, no, I, see I what think you it's mean. cool, but at the same time, I think it's the wrong product to do it with. I think well, if this was Diablo 4 and they said, here you go, and virtual ticket holders, load up your launcher now because you'll see you can start downloading and streaming and playing this game right now. Well, this uh, is what I want. Is this is what I'm excited exactly. about. That's World really of Warcraft cool. Classic is meh, uh, but Diablo 4, and by the way, <laughs> if they do that, imagine 
how many people are going to be buying the virtual ticket just to play it for those two or three days when BlizzCon is happening yeah, uh, nonstop? Like they would, this would be the biggest gaming heist. They literally would in sell the, exactly a demo. 50 yeah. bucks a go for a demo. Like if you did but that. It's probably like a 20 what? minutes experience if that even yeah, happens, but, right? But you would straight up do it. And the, the opening of ceremony course. is free to watch. They can stream it on their launcher so everyone knows about it who's around at the time. <laughs> Everyone's had talking about it. Go out, get a ticket out, get it, get it, get it now. Why, man? I'm not, I don't care. You get to play Diablo 4 now. Like, you got the demos there. You know, like, that would be insane. That and that was then, crazy. again, changes the whole uh, paradigm around uh, demos. Like, yeah. hang on, we can, you know, you're doing a free beta for your new mode on Black Ops 4. <laughs> That's cute. We're doing a $50 come and play our game for 20 minutes experience thing. Like, that's when you start thinking like, okay, they've won. And again, if it was Diablo 4, I wouldn't even feel bad about that. Mm -hmm. I would not feel bad about dropping 50 bucks purely to play that game yeah. for a bit and experience it. Holy that would be, that would be, I mean, it's, gen, it's absolutely, uh, that's what, what, you know, Red Dead Redemption uh, online heist is. It's BlizzCon selling you 50 bucks uh, virtual yeah. tickets to play Diablo. It's literally a, a holdup of gamers, yeah. you know, pulling out their wallets and, and shoving the money in Blizzard's face. Um, and, of course, you would get a, a, a beta after that, a closed beta, um, a, a open beta, I have no doubt about it. This is really BlizzCon, but, yeah, I'm, I would be... And we know we're going to get a Diablo something at BlizzCon. There's no way it's not mm. going to happen. So, anyway, we'll, we'll see what, what goes on there. Yeah, um, if you have any insight informa inside information, uh, let me know. You know, uh, use Telegram, Secret... DM, I won't leak package. it, I promise. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Excellent. It's going to leave a, a package next to a, a trash can in your <laughs> local park. And, and start searching through that. No, just, it's easier. Just, you know, you, you text me a, a winky emoji, that means yes, and a poop yep. means no. Okay. okay. Right, a winky poop, though, what does that mean? No one a winky knows. poop. I have to have to, I'll have to guess. All right. Well, that is it for our episode of uh, Pixels. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your love of Destiny 2 Forsaken. Oh, um, thank you. I, I'm sure I spent an hour are... and a half talking to you rather than playing Destiny 2 Forsaken. Nothing says love more than that. That that I am actually quite uh uh, uh proud. But I've highlighted to you as well that you're like, oh shit, I could have been playing Destiny this whole time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, my baby was crying, so actually I could have been playing Destiny. It doesn't matter. Uh, no, he he really started crying at some point, and obviously oh, yeah, my okay. wife is here. So okay. it's okay if you didn't hear it. It's fine. I don't. Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't yeah. have mentioned it. I I would have uh, appeared to be a, an adequate fa father. Um, hey, you have stuff that you do on the internet. Would you share that with uh, people yes. listening? Yes, uh, I'm over on uh, Twitter, uh, the underscore t, uh, where I I tweet at least. Uh, three times a week so stay tuned excellent that sounds very exciting uh, mm. the underscore T on Twitter I am not Patrick on Twitter Facebook and uh, Instagram and you can find this show at frenchspin.com um, frenchspin.com of course you will find also the show notes and uh, well not a lot of show notes but if you want to comment you can do that there you'll find other shows and links to other shows there as well and uh, if you like uh, Blizzard games you might want to listen to the Icy Veins podcast which I do with the team at Icy Veins every couple of weeks that is a quick 
quick uh, recap of all the news from all the Blizzard games or the instance, which uh, we do with Scott Johnson and Terpster when he can be bothered to show up and Garrett, Garrett Weintrill as well. Um, also, I, I'm guessing you might know about that one. So um, you can listen to that as well. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with another show when we're going to be talking about, who knows, gaming news. That will be awesome. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye-bye. Love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting one hundred dollars back and one hundred percent accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 